All right. Scrolling in our Bibles. Romans 2, 17-29 is all about the Jews. And so some of your first reaction is to say, well, it doesn't apply to me. I'm done. But last week we discussed that for us, 1,500 years later, 2,000 years later, I see, where are we at? What year is it? 2023, so 2,000, <laughs> almost 2,000 years later. Um, we fall in line more with the Jews than we do the Gentiles in these passages because we've been in the religious ceremony so much. We've been in the blessing of God's presence in church, and so many of you were raised on the Bible. Some of you have been going to church since before you were born. Uh, like me, I was going to church before I was born. Um, but this passage specifically is calling out the Jews who are thinking that they're better than everybody else. Why? Because they're, well, Jews. They're God's chosen people, which is true. Over and over again in the scriptures, they're told, you're God's chosen people. But you know what about people? Peoples is peoples. And Paul, he does, he goes through, and if you read, go back through and read these passages, he, re, he lists eight boasts, eight reasons, advantages of being a Jew. He lists eight things. He said, this is eight great things about being a Jew. Now, for the Jew, they're thinking, and we've got to remember last week's passage too, because this all ties together. They're thinking that God's judgment is going to be lighter on them, not harsher, because they're Jews. So go back, open your scriptures up, get your highlighter out, your pen, whatever, you know, your, your thumb or your finger, whatever your, your, your highlighting method is, and you can see these in the passage. In verse 17. He says, Why, what, what's one boast? Well, they're Jews. <laughs> That's enough said right there, right? You know, why did the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Because they're the Chiefs, right? And they're just, no, I mean, because they're my favorite team, of course. Um, I mean, they're, they're, the, they're the Jews. They're God's chosen people. And only his chosen people, the apple of his eye, see Zechariah 2.8, you know, that must count for something, right? But he goes on. He says, Jews are relying on the law. Had, I mean, God chose this people to reveal his will to on Mount Sinai. Their religious reverence for the law and they had a, a passion for it. For us today, it'd be like, we have the Bible. Three, they brag about their relationship with God. Different from the idols of wood and stone, Israel God was Father. 
We say many of the same thing today, right? It's about relationship, not about religion. That's the same way of saying the same thing. They brag about the fact that their God was their father. And this is a boast. This is not saying it's, it's wrong. This is true. Father. Jesus said, our father. Abba. Father. Verse 18. They know the will of God. Israel was the only group that revealed, had special revelation from God. They were the ones who had the special prophets who brought revelation from God. They knew his will. Five, they approved what was superior. They had dietary laws. They had lifestyle restrictions. They had worship instruction. They, they, they had this path that was laid out. This is the best path. But they're also instructed by the law. Psalm 119 extols the, uh, uh, the merits of, of God's decrees and directs the man's steps. And you can read Psalm 119 later. Uh, the Jews relish God's instructions. Say that we are instructed by God himself. We have the path to life because we have had his word in our hearts. Verse 19 they are convinced that they are a guide for the blind and a light for those who are in darkness and a structure of the fools and a teacher of infants. And how could they not be special? Because they have generational blessings. That they pass on the path to life from generation to generation to generation. So for those of you who raised your kids up in church, not just in church, but in the word of God, carrying on the, the, the passing the torch, the blessing. So we are, and, and, and one of the, the, the unique things about like, um, like Deuteronomy 6 well, not only does it tell them that they repeat this passage every day, like they write it on their foreheads, you know, Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. Summarized. They also goes on to say you're going to write it on your hands, your foreheads, because that's your actions, your thoughts, and your doorposts, because that's where you live. But then it says, teach this to your children. And so they say, how can we not be special? Because we do this. We teach it to our children. We change the path of life. And they're not wrong. But they've also, they have the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. So we have the law that Moses gave to us, or that God gave to Moses and Moses gave to us on Mount Sinai. They have the Torah. They have the Tanakh. That's the, what we they call our Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, Tanakh. 
And with all these boasts, it makes sense for these Jewish people that were reading this letter to boast. And to be, to be, the temptation is laid out for them. We have all of this. How is it not a temptation for us to think that we're better than everybody else? And the temptation is real. But Paul goes out and points out that the Jews fail just as much as everybody else. 21 through 24. Um, they teach Others, but they don't teach themselves. They preach against stealing, yet steal. They preach against adultery, but yet commit adultery. They abhor idols, but yet they steal from pagan temples. They brag about the law, yet dishonor it by dishonor God by breaking it. You know what we call that? There's a word for it. Hypocrisy. That's the word we use for it. When you say one thing, but your actions tell a different story. And we're all guilty about this at some point because people's is people, right? Even Paul says, what I hate to do, I do. That's what God's grace is about, right? Because we can't do this on our own. We need his grace. And as we grow in him, as we become more like him, and then we can't just say, stop, I've got to the point where I'm done. We say, as I grow in this, I'm going to become more and more like him. I'm going to be more and more so those temptations become less and less as I learn and I grow and I struggle. And Some of you got to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm just about as sinless as I'm going to get till I get to the other side, and that's just not how it works. I met people that were, you know, very young and had that attitude, and, and, and met some people that are less young that have the same attitude. And Paul goes on to say, he said, and it's because of this behavior, the gospel, which is supposed to be for everybody, the gospel, which is supposed to be the truth, the gospel, which is supposed to preach the love of Christ and how he sacrificed his life for us, becoming the ultimate sacrifice. He says, this isn't reaching people. Why is it not reaching people? Because God's name is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Blaspheme. That's not a word we use very often, is it? When's the last time you used that in everyday conversation? Probably last time you were talking about a Bible verse that had that. Uh, we don't use that word. It's God's name is being slandered, seen as evil, hated, disrespected and discarded. That's what blaspheme means. It means people don't like God because of your actions. I'm not talking about that time that you said, hey, you know what? This is a sin. 
because this is what the Bible says. You know, and that person wasn't ready to hear it, and maybe you handled it wrong. It happens. But that's not what he's talking about. Those are not the instances he's talking about. He's talking about the time when you stole or when you acted like, just like everyone else. You know, if people find out you go to church and are a Christian and they're surprised, there's a problem. There's a problem. And it's not because you go around bragging, oh, I go to Laughlin Community Church. It's because you're different. Now, here in the United States, we're like, well, everyone's a Christian. But it's not true. If that was true, our two churches here in town would have a lot more people in them. What, 3 to 5% of the population of Laughlin goes to church? We have 1.3% of the population. If the statistics stay the same, that go to Laughlin Community Church. Wow. But if we're out there acting like everybody else, it means you're cutting it up at the bar and driving home drunk and, you know, spending all your money at the gambling hall and getting high and doing whatever else the, you know, everyone else is doing or just even just talking to people and you, everyone else is, it's hypocrisy. Now, when Paul uses these language, you stole, but you didn't stole, all of those are from images from their past that they would have known. We we're, we're, don't know our Bibles like we should, so we're like, well, I missed it. But they, they would have known these images because it's part of their very history. Um, going back to Isaiah and Ezekiel, these were parts that were the most Terrible periods of Israel's history. That part where they were taken into exile and held into captivity. This is a time period when the name of God was so holy, they didn't even pronounce it. They would use the word like, instead of, you would see the word God, Yahweh, his his the name that was given to Moses, and instead of you just using that, they would say like Hashem, which means the name, or they would say Adonai, because it was so holy, they wouldn't even use it. And he says, but that name that was so holy, you wouldn't pronounce Isaiah. So now that what we have here, uh, what, so now what I have I here? This is the Lord's declaration, that my people are taken away for nothing. The rulers will. This is the Lord's destruction, and my name is constantly blasphemed all day long. Ezekiel 29. But I act for the sake of my name, so that it would not be profaned in the eyes of the nation, and they were living among in those whose sight I have made myself known in Israel and bring them out of Egypt. See, the name of God was being, was, was seen as a dirty word through this. It was like a bad joke. And God says, I have to protect my name. 
you know, in the book of Ezekiel, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with Ezekiel. Book of Ezekiel, three different times Ezekiel re- recounts God had not judged Israel when they came out of Egypt to keep his name from being profaned in the eyes of the nation. And though they deserved judgment, he withheld it to teach them, but also so that they would not ridicule his name. And um, however, finally his patience runs out. And he sends the nation into exile, which caused his name to be blasphemed. But then to redeem the glory of his name, God prophesied through Ezekiel that he would judge the nations that captured Israel, not for Israel's sake, but for the sake of his holy name. Here's it again in Ezekiel 36, 22 and 23. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, because you guys are messed up anyways. You guys are not listening to me anyways. But for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went, I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I, the Lord, this declaration of the Lord will demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. God, for God, for Ezekiel, for Paul, There was a missionary purpose in keeping the name of God holy so that the nations would know that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is king, is Lord. And so when we behave badly, the same attitude, when we behave badly, Wrong. When we bully each other, when we bully people, when we, uh, you know, I'm not saying we're not going to, you know, we're all fallible. We all make up. But it's not about being fallible. It's about not learning from those mistakes and saying you're sorry when you mess up. And I mean, that's religious hypocrisy. We claim to be the religious people, but we don't act it. Um, a theologian named Francis Schaeffer, I was reminded of his words when I was reading through this passage. Um, and uh, I'm going to quote it for you. It's uh, Francis Schaeffer. Uh, it's on the board if you want to read through it. Um, again, we must, it's a little long, I know. Again, we must admit, this is surely how God looks at much of Christianity today. Claiming to be under the umbrella of Christendom, claiming to have some sort of special blessing because the bells ring in the cathedrals, because the United States great numbers of people who go to church, and yet we commit blasphemy against God as we turn from the clear teaching of his word. It is a sober truth that we must face it. If we have the Bible... If we enjoy all the blessings it brings, and yet our lives bring shame upon God's name, 
we are guilty of the greatest irreverence. When the man with the Bible treats it as external thing only, it causes the man without the body Bible to dishonor the God of the Bible. Surely then the man with the Bible is justifiable under God's wrath. As we look at this passage, Paul is making it very clear that those who grew up or have, have access to the Bible have re- go to church every day. <laughs> if we don't behave, we are more likely to be judged for our actions than those who have not. And that's not a matter of salvation. That's a matter of judgment. Because we have a responsibility. Yes, we have boast. We in the United States have boast. We have more access to the Bibles than anywhere else in the world. I mean, you just downloaded the Laughlin Church Bible app, the Laughlin Church app. We have the Bible on there. We have more access than anywhere in the world. We have Laws that favor Christians, though some of those are starting to go away because less and less people are Christians. We have uh, churches on every street, though those are starting to close down because less and less people are Christians. We have access but if we don't take the, the privilege of all that, the blessing of that, and use it to bless others and take it seriously and live our lives according to the will of God and say, I know I'm going to live according to this way and when I mess up, I'm going to apologize. And when, I, when we work through things and we're we live with bitterness and hate. When we live with... If we don't live according to the Scriptures, then we're living in a way that turns others away from it. That includes if we don't live with grace of God. You know, we've seen people that live, I live by the Scriptures, and so should you. No, that's not what we Bible thumpers, Right? You guys know some people like that, right? You know, God always went, Jesus always went out with love to the non-Christian, the non-believer first, and then truth. He didn't stop with love, he just went there second. To the believers, he went with truth and then love. So must we as well. And the gospel is for all. That's what the, 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 the purpose of the book of Romans, it's not a theological book, though sometimes that's what we turn it into, right? We want it to be our, our, our systematic theology book that we can use in seminary. That's not what the letter was about. Remember what it was about, y'all? Well, let's go t- take the gospel. Let's go spread the gospel. <coughs> and he says, y'all, the gospel's for all. And he's calling out some of the Jews. He's saying, y'all, we got to spread the gospel. But you know what? They're blaspheming God's name. They're saying, I don't want to believe. I don't want to hear it. I don't want, why? Because of the way you act. Because of the way you talk. Because of the way you do. 
Because the way you judge everyone else is on the... We Gentiles who have grown up in the United States or have grown up in church often find ourselves behaving like the fallen Jews. And so in this time, yes, we're going to make mistakes and we pray that God, no one ruins, their, we don't ruin anyone else's life. We apologize if we do. If we, but we're always trying. Is someone, is God's name being blasphemed because of the way we're living? And so that's really where our next steps are at, right? Is one, have we accepted Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior? Is he, is he not just the one we said we need, a, we can't do this on our own. We need a Savior. We also need to make him the Lord of our lives. He's the Father. God's the Father. We need to make him the Lord of our lives. But our next steps also has to be, how am I living when I'm not in this building? And that includes in your private time on the internet. That includes when you're on social media. That includes when you're watching TV. That includes when we're driving down the highway here honking your horn because they didn't get off the line fast enough and you're in NASCAR. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That includes when you're at the grocery store and, and your temperature's getting, and our temperature's getting a little hot, right? That includes then. We have, how is my actions here? Being seen by those who aren't here. And so it's not about being judgmental and say, well, you need to wear a suit and tie. No one cares what you're wearing. Just as long as you have clothes on, right? <laughs> they care about how you're behaving, how you're responding, how you're loving, how you're reflecting. Because that's what we're supposed to be, reflections, images. Of Christ. So how is it? That's our next steps. We have to evaluate. How are we? And that's what Paul was calling them to. He wasn't condemning them. You're all going to hell. And there's nothing you can do about it. He was calling them to say, hey, this is what you're doing. Y'all, if we're going to take the gospel, he's saying, I need better. That's what he's saying in this passage. Y'all, I need better. And so we have to evaluate ourselves, our church, ourselves, our town. Y'all, do we need better? And so we have to say, how do I do better? And what steps do I take? And you know what? You're saying, well, I need to be here. And you're saying, I'm nowhere near that. And it's tempting to be discouraged, right? It's tempting to say, well, I just can't get there. You know how you get there? Same way you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. One step at a time. Some of you are like, eat elephant. I would never. 
Now, you probably wouldn't. I would. Uh, <laughs> you put it in front of me, I'd eat it. Uh, <laughs> but I eat anything you put in front of me. That's the way. That's why I have problems. <laughs> if we're saying that I, the goal is up there and it's just so far ahead, it just takes one baby step at a time. We move forward. And sometimes it feels like you take one step forward and then you get, you get knocked down and you mess up. You take two steps back. And you know what? You just take one step forward again. And you just kind of make move forward and keep moving forward. And I know it's hard and it's a challenge. And you know what? The great thing about that is you're not alone in the struggle. You don't have to do this alone. We are a family called to help each other out, to benefit one another to love one another and say, you know what, let's do this together. As we walk in family, we walk in life together and say, let's move forward together. Father God, right now, I praise you. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling right now. Lord, I All right. Well, I tell you what. I think as we keep this, we read this, this passage, we got to keep in mind the, the goal of the book of, of the Romans. It's not a systematic theology. It's a, uh, it's a book. Remember, it was a letter written to the book of Romans, to the church of Rome, saying, y'all, Let's go spread the gospel. And so as he's speaking here, he's speaking to these, this, this church in, uh, in, in Rome, and he speaks directly to uh, these, these, these Jews that are there. So, Y'all, we need to team up and do this, but Jews, you got this issue we got to address. Because you're thinking that you're better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. They are God's chosen people. The Bible is very clear about that over and over again. God's chosen people. But peoples is people, right? <laughs> and so Paul, he begins this letter. He begins by writing eight, uh, in this section, he begins eight advantages, eight boast about being a Jew. So these are, these are not untrue things. These are great things. But these eight things are why they thought they were going to get off easy instead of harder. And Paul's saying, you know what? You're going to be judged harder because of these eight things. Because of the responsibility of these eight things. So take out your Bibles, get your highlighter out, your pen, your finger, whichever way you prefer. All right, let's go through these eight things. He says, these are great things about you Jews. Now, I know some of you are like, well, this is the Jewish people, so I'm a Gentile, so none of this applies to me. That's where you'd be mistaken. Last week, we talked, we discussed, and I, I made the comment that, you know, 2,000 years after all this, well, almost 2,000 years at this point, 
we're more like the Jews because we've, we've grown up in the church. Some of you guys have been going to church since before you were born. You know what I'm talking about. Your mama had, you were, right in that, you, mama's belly, you were in the church. You got out of this womb, you went to church. So you've been there. So we have more in common in many regards to the Jewish people that Paul is talking to than we do in many of the Gentiles. Some of you are more like the Gentiles. This is your first experience with church, and this is your, and we're so glad you're here. But some of you, and so like the Jewish people, like, so some of you in this, we have more in common. Here in the United States, we, a lot of us have more in common with the Jewish people that Paul was talking to. But let's look at these, these, these things. So verse 17, it starts out, what's what number one boast? Well, they're Jews. Enough said right there. That's, they're God's chosen people. They're the apple of God's, of God's eye. I mean, that's got to count for something, right? Number two, they rely on the law. God has chosen these people to give his law to, his Torah to, his instruction to. At Mount Sinai, he, he gave his law to, the, to Moses, who gave it to the people, and They've put their hopes and their, their passion into this. In today's society, be our Bibles. We have the instruction. Not only that, but they get to brag about their relationship to God's not some out there creature, He's Abba, Father. Which Jesus tells us we get to call him Abba, Father. He says, well, then how should we pray, right? Jesus is teaching his disciples. Well, how should we pray? Our Father. Our Father. You know, another, one of the, the, the pop ways we say that, one of those pop cultural ways we say this is it's not about religion. It's about relationship. I mean, you guys have heard that one, right? All over your Facebook accounts. I know some of you, I've seen some of your Facebook accounts. It's about that relationship. Abba. We get to brag about that. This is wonderful. It's amazing. We get to call God Father. That's amazing. Verse 18. They know his will. Now Israel can say something that's unique to Israel. They're the only ones with special divine revelation from God. They're the ones that had the prophets. They're the ones that were given the, the Torah. They were the one. We read about it through the scriptures. We know God's will because of the scriptures. Next thing Paul says is they approve of what's superior. They have dietary laws. They have uh, ways of worship, lifestyle restrictions. They have... Uh, a way that separates them from their neighbors, but also says this is the way to life. This is the path that leads to life. This other's path may lead to destruction. And, and we, he's already, in the book of Romans, he's already talked about all these things that you know, led to the, book, the path of destruction. He says this is the, the path of destruction. He says, and so the Jews are starting to see themselves as superior, right? 
How many of us have felt that way about, aren't we glad we're not them? They are instructed by the law. You know, Psalm 119 um, it talks about the merits of, of, of God's decrees and those who, uh, who, who walks in the steps of God. You can read that psalm another day, another time. And this, this you know, the Jewish, uh, you know, they rely on God's instruction for every bit of their lives. Verse 19, 20. So they're convinced that they're guide for the blind, for the light, for those who are in the darkness, the instructor of the fool, a teacher of infants. They're, we are, they, they're called to be a, 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 a nation that can show the world the light of Jesus Christ. Even having generational gifts, blessings on the person who teaches their children the way to walk in the truth. What a blessing. What a blessing we have the generation after generation that can follow Jesus Christ. Even found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we have uh, love the Lord your God with all that you are, right? Remember that passage, right? Here, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord with everything you are. That's the summary version. And then he says, you know, write this on your hands because that's what you act with. Write this on your, your forehead because that's where you think with. And write it on doorposts because that's where you live, everywhere you go. And then they say, and teach this. Teaching. It's part of the very commandments of the Bible to teach it. What a blessing that is. And so they're commanded, so they know that they're commanded to teach the world. And, and number eight, they have the law, the, uh, which is the embodiment for them, it's the embodiment of truth. And these boasts were great, and they're wonderful. It's no wonder that Paul is saying you're tempted to think you're better than everyone else. You're tempted. Who wouldn't be tempted? I mean, think about us here in the United States, how easy it is for us to think we're better than other people because of our, you name it. I mean, we store our stuff in what other people live in, in other nations, right? I mean, we, got, we, could th- we, could, we have those temptations to think we're better than other people because we're, we're blessed, But Paul, he says, y'all, our goal, remember our goal, sharing the gospel. He said, y'all, we got a problem though. Y'all, we got a problem. He says in 21 through 24, you've taught others, but you don't teach yourself. You preach against stealing, but yet you're stealing. You're preaching against adultery, but yet you're committing adultery. You abhorred idols, but yet you steal from pagan temples. You brag about the law, yet you dishonor God by breaking it. We have a word for this. What's that word? Hypocrite. Hypocrisy. That's what the word for this is. That's our word for it. You, you say one thing, you 
profess to be a Christian and your actions and your words disagree with what you're saying. And he goes on to say that it's because of your behavior, because of the way you're acting, not because of what you're saying, but because of the way you're acting, the gospel, which is supposed to be for everybody, which is supposed to be the light, the truth, the path, supposed to be, say, we know the way, the truth, and life is through Jesus Christ, through the blood that was sacrificed for us, that he loved us so much that yet while we were yet sinners, he died for us and rose again to defeat sin and death. And so that we, he's saying that gospel isn't reaching people because you're, it's being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Blaspheme. When's the last time you used that word in a sentence, right? Blaspheme. We don't use that word very often. That's not one of those words where you, if you used it, it's probably because you read a Bible verse about it. Um, what he's saying is God's name is being slandered, is being seen as evil, is being hated, as being disrespected, is being discarded. Because of your actions. Because of your hypocrisy. That's what he's saying. And as he's saying this, he's taking the Jews back in time, in their thoughts. See, they knew the Bible a lot better than we do sometimes. And so he's taking them back in their thoughts to part of their history. Where... It was a very terrible time for them in which they were taken into exile and held in captivity. You know, at one time, and, and, and for a Jewish person, the name of God was supposed to be so held, so held reverse, they wouldn't even pronounce it. They would say things like Adonai when you see the name of God, which means Lord, or they would say things like um, Hashem, which means the name, because they wouldn't even pronounce it. And so, but now, but Paul's saying, but now, it's being drugged through the streets like a bad joke because of your actions. And it takes them back. Isaiah and Ezekiel. Isaiah 52, 5. So now, what have I here? This is the Lord's declaration that many my people are taken away for that are taken away for nothing. It's rulers well. The Lord's declaration, my name is continually blasphemed all day long. He's saying, Paul's saying, your people of blasphemed name. I want to take you back to this period. It's being blasphemed, just like it was then. Ezekiel 29, but I acted for the sake of my name so that it would not be profaned in the eyes of the nation that they were living among, and in whose sight I had made myself known to Israel and bring them out of Egypt. You know, three times Ezekiel um, reaccounts, God had not judged Israel when they first came out of Egypt to keep his name from being profaned. Uh, read Ezekiel chapter 20. 
Though, uh, they, though he says they deserve it. They deserve judgment. But he withholds it so that they, his name won't be profaned. And so he patiently tried to teach them the ways that the surrounding nations would not ridicule them, but they would turn towards him as the true God. But God eventually runs out of patience and sends them to the exile nation, which caused his name to be blasphemed. But then to redeem the glory of his name, God prophesies through Ezekiel that he would judge the nations, the captured Israel, not for Israel's sake, but for the sake of his holy name. It's actually really cool. It's not for you, it's for my name. Ezekiel 36, 20, uh, 22 and 23. Therefore, I say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profane among the nations where you went. I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them, the nations which... Nations will know that I am the Lord. This is my declaration of the Lord God. When I demonstrate my holiness through your, their sight. He's saying, guys, you're acting just like these people did. And God's going to protect his name. You know, as I read this, I was taken back in my thoughts to a man named Francis Schaeffer. He's one of those Christian theologians that you can read. Got some good books. I'm gonna put a quote up there. It's a, quite of a long one, so bear with me. But it brought, came to my mind as I was reading it. Again, we must admit, this is surely how God must look, uh, looks at much of Christendom today. Claiming to be under the umbrella of Christendom, claiming to have some sort of special blessing which the bells ring in the cathedrals because the United States, great numbers of people go to church and yet we commit blasphemy against God as we turn from the clear teaching of his word. It is a sober truth that we must face it. We are guilty of the greatest irreverence. When the man with the Bible treats it as an external thing only, it causes the man without the Bible to dishonor the God of the Bible. Surely then, the man with the Bible is justifiably under God's wrath. Think about that. I mean, we have the Bible. Uh, some of you guys got Bibles everywhere, right? And you guys got multiple Bibles in your house. It sits, you may never read it, but it sits there. <laughs> Some of you guys got enough Bibles, you got your church Bible that you leave here, and you got your home Bible. I remember a, a person I used to go to church with, she had her, her church service Bible and her Sunday school Bible and her home Bible and her car Bible. <laughs> Wherever she went, she just had a Bible that was already there. It was hers. Some of you are like, we got Bibles. We got access to the Bible. We have it on the phone. You go to Laughlin Church app and you just, we've got the Bible right there. But it says, we have access to it. 
We have access to the teachings of God. We have access to, and God, Paul is telling the, the, the Jews there, and I think he's telling us here, Christians, 2,000 years later, we will be judged harsher if we behave in blasphemous ways. Now, I'm not talking about that time that you accidentally messed up. We, people's is people, right? That's what God's great. If you could be perfect, then you wouldn't need Jesus. You can't be perfect. We all need Jesus. We all mess up from time to time. And we pray that it doesn't get anyone killed all the, along the way. Physically or, man, you know. But we, we, we have to admit that, yeah, we, we mess up, but that's, we say we're sorry. We correct ourselves from that. But we don't continue to, to blaspheme, to lead people to, to blaspheme God. And so when Christians don't act like Christians, that's when we start running into trouble. Oh, we, 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 we go out to church on Sunday, and then we're in the bar on Tuesday. Driving drunk on Thursday, getting high, in the casinos all the rest of the day. You got 10% of your tithe in, in the money, but you don't know if you can do it because everything else went to the casino. <laughs> so you know you don't have money to give it back. <laughs> they don't pay you enough to give back to the house. We gossip about each other. Oh, we bully each other. We make fun of each other. We talk about other people. We sit in our little corners and have our little conversations. Did you hear this? Did you see? And no wonder people don't want they don't wonder people don't want to go to believe in Jesus. Well, look at all the people, what they're doing. So they don't believe in divorce, but the divorce rate around them is just as high as everywhere else. That's actually technically not true, but that's what's believed. Why should they go? They don't help anyone out in the community. They don't help each other out. That's not true for you guys. I know you guys But if we're not acting like, if you, if someone finds out you're a Christian and they're surprised, there might be a problem. What do you mean you go to church? I never would have pegged you for a churchgoer. <laughs> now, the gospel is for all. But as we think about the passage that has presented today, as we're reading through the book of Romans, we have to ask ourselves, am I, as we think about our next steps, am I 
Am I the reason why someone doesn't believe? And yes, we have to, you know, ask God to forgive us for those times that we messed up and you might be the reason someone didn't believe because you messed up. And we got to ask for forgiveness from God. If you can ask for forgiveness from that person, ask for forgiveness from that person. We got to not only ask for forgiveness, we got to change that behavior, right? If you're saying, I'm the reason I messed up and I'm continually messing up, then there's a problem. We're supposed to be becoming more and more like Christ. So we have to ask ourselves, am I the reason God is being blasphemed? Does what I say I believe match up with how I'm acting? It's unwholesome language coming out of my mouth. Am I talking bad about my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I? Am I in church on Sunday and pool hall in the next? I used to go to a church that had a basement. And we used to say, are you one way in the upstairs and another way in the downstairs? <laughs> Sometimes it was that quick. <laughs> and that means, are we, are we acting one way when we're, we're here and then we go somewhere else? Are you driving down the road, the way you drive down the road. And you're flipping them off because they didn't get off the line fast enough. Because you're in the Indy 500, I know. The grocery store, when your nerves are getting a little tight. And everyone else around you is getting a little tight because everyone's budget ain't going far enough anymore. Or at the restaurant when they bring you the bad food again. And you're like, I ain't never coming back to here. Which is, you're right. You don't have to go back there. But, you know, most times it's not the server's fault. Sometimes. <laughs> but how we respond to them is. And yeah, we all mess up sometimes. That's for the grace of God. But we try to strive every day to move forward, to become more and more like him. And I know some of you, you feel like you're taking, you know, you take one step back forward and you, get, you feel like you're taking two steps back because it just doesn't feel like it's working. But we strive forward in the grace of God. And sometimes for some of you, you're like, well, I'm standing here and that goal that I know I'm supposed to be behaving like seems so far away, I might as well not even do it. Well, you know what he, God says we need to do? Just take one step. And that's what next steps are all about, right? It's not about hitting the goal right away. It's saying, what's the next step? What's the next step? And for some of you, the next step may be, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. That's your next step. 
So I, I, I know that I can't do this on my own. I cannot be perfect. I cannot get it all right. I need a Jesus. But you also need someone to say, you know what, I know the path that leads to righteousness, the path that leads to life. And that's why we have a lenient Lord, a Savior, the Lord and Savior. For some of you, the next step, you say, you know what? I've got this one area of my life that I ain't living what I say I believe. And so you gotta change your lifestyles. And sometimes it's a major change that has to happen. You know, Jesus says, better to cut off your hand, right? He wasn't saying everyone needs to go cut off their hand. What he was saying was it takes drastic action. So if you're acting, say, I one way, I'm behaving one way, but at, at home, in front of my computer, I'm not, I'm not the, the way I believe, then maybe it's time to get rid of the computer. Which is hard. Or, you know what, I'm all right, except when I'm around these people, then I start to gossiping. But we're not really gossiping, we're just... We're just doing prayer requests. I don't know how you guys people are. We're just prayer requests. <laughs> so I'm this way. So maybe you need to hang out with other people who are not in that same situation, which is hard. Maybe your next step is, you know what? I have not shown the love of Christ that I need to someone. And I need to, one, start showing that love. Two, maybe I need to ask someone for forgiveness, which is hard. So as we think about our next step, as we move on to our invitation, which is, that invitation is that moment which we, we say, I'm gonna make the next